Welcome to The Bottom of the Glass, a podcast about the art of traditional rudimental drumming and music of all origins. The Bottom of the Glass is hosted by Dave Loyal, Brendan Mason, and me, Brian Watkinson. We'll dig deep into the theories, the ideas, and the history of rudimental drumming, fifing, and world music through the words and experiences of those who are making music history today. Uh, so this has been a crazy day of interviews with the old guard, um, the drum line and the fife line. And it has to do with the audition process to get into the old guard fife and drum corps, which is has a little mystery to it. And we're trying to demystify it, uh, <laughs> as Dave says. Uh, and so this is the this is the portion where we talk to the fife line about what it takes to prepare an audition to get into the live round to maybe actually get into uh, a fight vacancy. And it was fascinating. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that you need to know that they're looking for. And they were pretty candid when they spoke with us about them. Yeah. And the uh, good thing is like, like the three of us are drummers. Um, so, you know, we don't necessarily know all the ins and outs or even the, um, the right way to, to to phrase some of the questions, but they were really, really open about um, the versatility and also the job and what the job actually is, both for, you know, for people coming from the fight and drum community and then also from flute and military bands and all kinds of stuff. And in our discussions yesterday, we all thought it would be a really, really great idea if Brian worked on his fife skills to the point where he can actually send in an audition tape. So we are going to follow through with that. Actually, Brian's going to follow through with that. He's going to practice his butt off, get prepared and uh, see what happens by sending a tape in. Now, everybody needs to know that he is not a fifer, <laughs> but he can make a sound out of the, the instrument. I can make a sound out of the instrument. So I've already started the process and I have spoken to my ex-wife, who I, I purchased a fife for her, a sweetheart fife, about uh, 20 years ago, not knowing that 15 years later I would actually date Polly Sweet. That's a that's a different discussion. But so I... And not I knowing after, 15 years later that you would get divorced. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that might have coincided, but I'm not sure. So, so like, you know, some things never change. So, you know, my ex-wife said, yes, of course you can borrow my fight for a couple of months to learn it, but I want it back. <laughs> so, that's cool. I get it. Uh, so I, I want to, I want to work on this and I actually want to uh, get a couple of fight tunes that I'm pretty good at. And I'm going to give this, packet audition the best shot I possibly can and I'm going to put it in and I'm going to see what they say but I want them to work me through the audition process just like they would anyone else because I still don't fully understand what it's like to submit an audition for a fife vacancy uh, in the old guard fife and drum corps so we'll document the whole thing we'll see what happens and I'll get tossed out unceremoniously on the first round, unless I nail that tune, right? Hey, so, so we are, just want to be clear here. We are, uh, we are against 
ageism, correct? In this podcast, yes, we are. Agree to that. But but I will say this: you 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 definitely are too old to join the old guard. I just want to let you know that beforehand. Am um, I really support you completely in your endeavor, and and we will uh, we will support you to the fullest. We'll laugh behind your back plenty. I will tell you this though: I have the right height and I have the right weight. So if I can budget on the age, they just might take me. That's true. We're all very proud of you, Brian. (laughs) No, you are. I know you are. Hey, but listen, so the, uh, so they have Fife auditions on the 17th and 18th of April. Those, those are the auditions, but the packets, you know, the packet auditions, uh, the stuff that you send in, uh, on a preliminary basis to kind of make it to the live round. Those are due on February 20th, just to let you know. And you can find out all that information on the audition section of the Old Guard's Facebook page and also on their website. There's all kinds of information. But here's the big thing. There's also other information about best practices. And we talked a lot in this interview about best practices. Like, what do you do? What do you do in your, you know, in your video initial uh, audition? Like, where do you like what kind of room do you stand in? How do you need to shoot yourself? All of these types of things are really important. You can find all that stuff on their website and on their social media pages. And it's really important because it will really help you either nail it or not. So there you go. All of that stuff, the best practice stuff is available on the Old Guard's website and their social media pages. Because if you don't do the best practices, if you, like it was said in this particular interview, like if you're, you know, kind of standing in front of a garbage can with, you know, crap falling out of it, that's probably not a good look for your Old Guard audition. So there are best practices that you kind of need to adhere to if you really want to take a shot at going forward. That's yeah, and so Brian, you're gonna definitely have to empty your trash. I've seen it in the picture here a couple of times. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. My trash will be clear. Yeah. What was that? They did mention that a couple of different times about they empty did. trash can. Well, because I think they've seen it. I think they've seen somebody <laughs> standing in a room with a big, there, big ass trash been can so much behind. Weird them. stuff in some of the tapes. Like uh, uh, I, I've seen several tapes where the guys, like, are um, the person's in their kitchen and like. Between takes, you see a wine bottle move like an inch or two <laughs> on every take. You know, like they're sitting there getting drunk <laughs> and doing it. It's I, I had a side story. I had a really good friend who auditioned for a drum corps when he was younger, a DCI corps, uh, playing trumpet. And he, he flew all the way out to uh, the West Coast. I won't say which drum corps it was. And uh, he thought he did pretty good. Uh, but they they sent him um, a video uh, back that said he wasn't going to be uh, they they weren't going to take him in the next round of auditions. It was like a video, mm-hmm. so he ended up auditioning for another group on the East Coast, and he got in. Well, a month later, that same West Coast Corps sent him an email asking him to audition again because they had lost a, a member who was who had signed a contract, and they were looking to fill that spot. So he sent them another video, but the video was him, <laughs> was about 15 minutes of him 
taking out the ingredients for a ham sandwich, making the ham sandwich in front of them in the video, and then eating it. <laughs> no words were said. <laughs> so I would say I, I don't recommend doing that uh, if, if you're auditioning for the old guard. Uh, but um, yeah, anyways, let's get to the interview. Cool. The United States Army Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps is announcing auditions for Fife Vacancy in early 2023. Pre-screening packet audition materials to preclude the live Fife audition are due on February 20th, 2023, with Finnegan's Wake, Astley's Flag, Ball Quitter Lasses, Zigzag Clog, and The Night is Calm as the required pieces. Live auditions for Fight Vacancy will be held on April 17th and April 18th, 2023. Audition materials, music, and more information are available on the Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps Facebook page. For more information on any vacancies in the Fife and Drum Corps, email this address, auditions.togfdc at gmail.com. If you are considering auditioning for this or any Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps vacancy, the Old Guard Audition Committee urges you to submit any questions you may have. All questions are valid, and the Fife and Drum Corps wants to provide you with every opportunity for success. Good luck. The United States Army's Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps is the only unit of its kind in the armed forces. In fact, the Old Guard is the only unit of its kind anywhere. It's part of the 3rd U.S. Infantry Regiment. The Fife and Drum Corps is stationed in Fort Myer, Virginia. We're pleased to have several members of the Old Guard with us today, primarily to talk about the audition process to become an Old Guard musician. Uh, I've never fully understood the audition process, and I'm guessing... I'm not the only one. This particular particular episode, we'll be speaking with the Fife section about how they conduct auditions for the Fife line in the Old Guard. So um, we're looking forward to this. Thanks, everybody, for being here. And let's have a nice chat. One of you guys want to start with a question? Sure. So Good. what is the process for auditioning for the Fife line? I can take this one. Uh, drummer here, uh, uh, Mr. Representative from the, the auditions office. I'll just do a brief overview of the process. So uh, we, we, we actually keep our audition process consistent across all the instrument groups um, for transparency's sake. So just like I, I was speaking about this in the, in the drum uh, portion of this, uh, we start out with a video round. So we announce a vacancy uh, and we announced that vacancy once we figured out that we have a spot to fill. Okay, so we have a set number of musicians that we're allowed to have in the Fife and Drum Corps. And once uh, someone declares their intention that they are going to be leaving the organization, that spot will be open. Then we will be holding an audition for that spot. So we announced that, that vacancy. 
And that announcement goes out. We try to blast it out on our Facebook, Instagram pages. Uh, we try to get it on uh, various websites just to try to get the word out as much as possible. Um, and in that vacancy announcement, there will be a whole list of criteria. So there's a whole audition a, uh, packet that that every auditionee needs to, to submit that has, you know, your standard, your resume, your cover letter, um, just kind of basic info about you. And in addition to that, there's the musical aspect, which we ask for a video. And in the video, uh, we, we spell out in the vacancy announcement exactly the music that we want to hear and on what instruments. And these guys can speak more about that later. Um, once the videos and the packets are submitted, we have all those compiled. The Fife panel will review them and determine a number of candidates they want to invite to a live audition. So the it's kind of a two-part audition, the, the, the video round and then the live audition. And the live audition works similarly to um, an, an audition for an orchestra or, or any other special band where you show up and there are, uh, we do it in rounds. So some rounds will be uh, specifically focused on individual playing. Some are section playing. There's marching rounds. There's a standing assessment because of uh, the ceremonial component to our job. Uh, we observe a performance of the Fife and Drum Corps. And then at the very end, we have an interview portion. Uh, and through all of that, you know, when, once we get through all of that, that's that's what we use to, to select the candidates that we invite, that we uh, would like to offer a job. So that's kind of a brief overview of the audition process. So let's talk about the, the video stage of the audition um, first. That's kind of the, the, the first step here for uh, for people auditioning for the Corps. Um, so what are you looking for? And to advance to the live round, um, are the criteria set in stone or is it kind of a sliding scale based on the performance of the players? Um, and as a follow-up to that, do players need to perform on an actual fife for the video round? Part of the first thing that we're looking for, um, because we've seen quite a few videos over the past, um, is that it's a very clean environment, um, that the candidate presents themselves professionally. Uh, we want to make sure that they, we can see, you know, their entire body and that it, you know, just make sure you present yourself like you're already taking the interview. That's very important for us um, because we can weed people out just based on the fact that there's a garbage can with trash overflowing in the corner. And so you want to really pay attention to just that aspect of it. That's probably step number one is present yourself professionally. Um, so I would say, no, they do not have to play fight on, on their recording. Um, they, if they're a piccoloist, they can play piccolo. Um, if they're a six-hole fight, they can play six-hole fight. Um, we're at that point just kind of looking for somebody that we want to see more of in the live audition. Um, so if definitely a strong player with good solid foundation, good technique, um, tone. We're looking for um, good accuracy in the music as well. Um, a strong recording is also important. Um, many times we have gotten some pretty poor recording quality videos, um, where it's just the environment itself is not conducive to the music they're playing and, and uh, it's hard to hear really. So I would say for the video portion that um, uh, the candidate really uh, takes into consideration the environment that they're in, 
and play it back even for themselves before they submit it to see if it actually came across appropriately, that it wasn't too live or it's too dead. You know, you want it to really capture the, the strongest playing in that candidate. Cool. So if you're fortunate enough to, to gain a live audition, um, is there a process in which uh, you're given a, a fife and have to learn sort of on the spot? How, what's the, the process for that, for someone who has never played a fife before? So in the audition for the music rounds, you certainly can, can still play your piccolo, your fife, your six-hole fife. But one of the components is how you how you're able to take something new and put it into play. So one of the very first things that we do on day one of the audition is we actually give them an introduction to the fife class taught by one of our fifers. And they're able to ask one-on-one -on -one questions as well as be in a group working together in a collaborative sense. Uh, and then the idea is on day two that they come being able to play something like Yankee Doodle or similar, where it's not a tremendously difficult tune, but what we're looking for is their ability to adjust on the fly and, and be able to show that they can play this instrument, to physically be able to cover the holes and put out a good sound uh, one sound that we would like to have out there with us um, on performances. Sorry, I wanted to backtrack to the last question um, because something that we've run into recently is that, you know, we overall want each performer to present themselves at their strongest playing ability, at their highest level. So, you know, we've had piccolo players that um, are showing their ability to play the 10 hole fife, but are exclusively playing now the 10 hole fife, but the level isn't at what they are able to perform as a piccoloist. So it's good for you to put that 10 hole fife playing on there, but your primary representation should be as a piccolo player. Same thing with like a six hole fifer comes in. We wanna hear you play how well you play on a six hole fife. If you are able to play a 10 hole fife and you wanna add that, to represent that you can transition, then we ask that you include that, but not pigeonhole yourself into a potentially bad performance because you're playing on an instrument that you're not familiar with. So, okay, that's interesting. I, I was not aware actually that you would even have someone auditioning playing a six hole fife. I thought that was kind of a prerequisite. So that's, that's a great discovery for me. Uh, how it, it's just, uh, I'm curious about this. How difficult is it for most to go from a six hole to a 10 hole fife? Is that a transition they can make pretty well? Or do you have a uh, several people that kind of don't make the grade because they can't make that tradition that, that move over? So, um, I, I, uh, I originally came from Clona Williamsburg, um, and I, I auditioned twice, both times on a six hole fife. Um, I was successful both times and due to circumstances had to decline one of the offers and they came back and, and tried out again, again, successfully both times on six hole fife. So both times I did that, um, the, the audition team, the fife team, uh, the command team that was in position both those times was very accepting and open for me to try out on a six hole fife. Um, to to piggyback on what has already been said, I just wanted to present my best self. And because that was on a six-hole fife, that's what I did. And I could confidently play on a six-hole fife. 
for me personally, um, transitioning from the six hole to the 10 hole was not difficult at all. Um, the fingerings were essentially the same. You might have to, you know, lift a pinky here and there that I never had to do before, but I found that to be, um, a pretty easy process. And there were folks in the core. Um, again, we had piccolo players, flute players, 10 hole, uh, players, six hole players that helped me through that process. Um, and getting the different perspectives from all those people helped me, um, with an easy transition. So I didn't think it was difficult at all. Okay. And it sounds like that that's a transition that, that happens after the um, the auditions then. So putting your best foot forward with the instrument that you're comfortable on for the actual audition and then um, transitioning to the instrument that that you actually play in the old guard is something that that you work on after um, after you win win the job. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we were talking to the drummers and we were talking about their audition process and how often they would come up. They had alluded to the fact that, you know, every now and then if somebody was going to retire and they made that in, as an official announcement and we would start, you know, ramping up the audition process. And it, I didn't get the impression that it happened a lot or often or there were big groups of the drum line that they needed to fill at any given time, although there were some. How many when you guys were on a Fife audition how does it compare with how many people actually audition or how many people you need for the fife line as opposed to the drum line? I will say that much of this depends on how many people are retiring or leaving the core at any one point. Right. So due to various factors, sometimes you'll get a generation of people that will serve together for 20 years five people all going through at the same time. Sometimes, you know, you could get a, a pandemic and things will change in people's lives and they have to make decisions that are very personal uh, and it determines where they end up. So sometimes we'll have an audition and we'll only need one person for the, the job. Sometimes we'll have an audition and we'll we'll need more people to come join us. Uh, and that's, that's just depending on how many people are leaving at any given point. Um, and, and we just, we, we don't necessarily announce that there are multiple slots because it could skew the audition a little bit, but it's, it's very important that whenever someone does come to audition, that they absolutely go for it a hundred percent. Uh, and, and we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. Okay. And to the point of the slots, just because there are so many slots doesn't mean that many people are going to get hired. Since I've been here, I've sat on a couple of audition panels, one of which nobody was hired because nobody met the standard for the Fife and Drum Corps. Um, and the other one, there were there was only one person hired, but there were more slots that were available. So you truly have to play to the standard that's expected. It's not, we can still make the mission happen with the numbers that we have. So we never let ourselves get to a critical point where we have to drop standards in order to hire somebody. So it's really important that they show up showing off their best music, as, as Sergeant Ham said, and also paying attention to those details that were mentioned, like not having the garbage in the background, because we're taking bits and pieces of you and trying to figure out what sort of potential you will have when a 10-hole fife is put in your hands, and can we train you, and will you fit into this organization? And on the flip side of that, I, I've seen before where um, you might have one spot open, but several people are qualified for the position, and, and that, that can happen as well, yeah? where somebody's deferred, maybe that's a little bit more rare. 
it's probably a more unique situation. Um, I would say in that situation that, you know, the, we're looking for that person that rises to the top in every single round of the audition and the person that's the most consistent wins the day. Um, you know, we, we have the opportunity in the interview round to ask them questions and learn more about them to see if they're fit personality wise. Also, you know, what other skills do you bring to the table? Are you only a good musician or are you good at computer graphics? Do you have, um, you know, any kind of um, administrative background? You know, what, what other kinds of things do you bring? That's what you should highlight when you, if you make it to the, um, not only to the interview round, but in your cover letter, um, on your resume, you know, what other things have you acquired over, you know, the time that you've graduated high school um, that you can show off? Um, those are the things that we're looking for. But when it comes down to it, the, the most consistent best player um, wins the day. And if we're serious about somebody who's, you know, that second up, very heavily encouraging that person to come back next time. You know, look for that next posting, stay tuned. Um, you are there. You just weren't that person that day. Well, and all, I mean, and also de de deferment, I think is the word you use, Dave. Um, that has happened before. I, I that, that definitely happens. But what also happens is um, we can let those people know that we're just a little bit short when we do this again, you don't have to submit um, an audition, uh, a packet that you you get kind of a, a free trip to the to the live round. So that's two different ways we can do that. Okay, so so somebody can let's say they're just they're at that number two notch, right? They didn't quite win the day, but they were really really good. So they kind of get a they kind of get a pass on some of the audition stuff the next time it comes up but do you never do you never hire more than you need at any given time even if you stumble across somebody that you really like in that number two position will you never well, fill that well we certainly if we had two or three openings we would absolutely hire those people yeah. what we cannot do is hire a seventh person when we only have three positions available that yeah. that doesn't work but it's never about just one i mean it can be but you know oftentimes we just we don't want to necessarily uh, telegraph how many spots there are because we don't want people thinking that they've got it no matter what happens that day because you still have to play your best and meet the standard on that audition day each uh, audition is kind of circumstantial, so it, it really depends on uh, the poor and the needs of the poor. So let's say we give an, an audition in the fall. We only have one vacancy, um, but we like two players. There is a possibility, it has happened in the past, that that number two player who we could not hire at that time, um, we could put them on an OML if we are projecting a particular vacancy, let's say in the spring. Um, and I think somebody correct me, um, that holds good for, uh, a year, I believe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if, if we have a projected vacancy, we cannot hire for immediately. We'll say, Hey, uh, we really do like you. Um, we're going to put you on this OML to be the second hire if this position comes available within the year. So that has happened. Right. Right. Okay. I think, um, you know, one of the maybe perhaps a misconception in the community of fifers and drummers is that 
uh, a lot of flute players are brought in and, and, and often um, five players are overlooked uh, for the old guard. How do you answer something like that? I mean, is, is that, is that a, a misconception or is that just a matter of we're looking for, for uh, musicians who have gone through the process of going to school and, and often in case you're, you're not going to be finding a, a fifer and a fife and drum corps going through that level of education. So how do you, uh, you know, how do you answer that? Well, I think the, you know, the really simple answer is we can't take you if you're not putting packets in. And so, you know, if we don't have Pfeiffer submitting audition packets, we we can't evaluate you and, and even put you up against, um, you know, the college educated, you know, going through music programs and college, whatever, we can't even put you up against that. So that's the baseline answer. Um, I can't speak to, you know, other theories that might be floating out there in the community. Well, um, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I mean, I would say we're looking for the best player, period, whether that comes from the uh, flute piccolo background or fife uh, background, it does not matter. Um, we're just looking for somebody who like uh, Chief Morgan said, that fits the standard that we're looking for. And if if they can fit all that criteria, then great. Um, we don't care what background they have, to be honest. Um, so I would say, yeah, there might be a misconception that, well, in the five community, I'm, I'm not gonna put in a packet because they're not looking for me. You know, they're not looking for fivers. And that's just not true. We're, we're really hoping <clears throat> this next go around that we do get a lot of five packets. Um, we try to do as much outreach as allotted to reach out to the fife and drum community to promote the auditions, to get more people to um, submit packets. Um, but like Sergeant Ham said, we we don't really have control over who's putting in, um, just over you know the standard and who fits that standard. Right. Yeah. So something I think that would be really good for the fife and drum community to know is that. Uh, and, and this is speaking from someone in the audition office, um, uh, I, I see all the packets that come in um, and, and, and the backgrounds that those folks were submitting, what backgrounds they have. Um, I, I would just want people to know in Fife and Drum that uh, there are, this job and this opportunity, this organization is known pretty widely throughout uh, Army music and also uh, folks coming out of school, a lot of, you know, mostly flute players, piccolo players, were coming out of school and looking for, for jobs. Um, I, I think that folks perhaps aren't as aware of, of the numbers of, of people that are, are coming from that, that background. Um, there's a, a huge population of folks in the regular army bands. We, uh, we classify them as 42 Romeo uh, musicians in, in the army. You can Google that one. Um, so those folks are looking at the premier bands, which are uh, the Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps, the U.S. Army Field Band, U.S. Army Band Pershing Zone, and the West Point uh, Academy Band. Um, they're looking at those jobs as, as, as kind of a next step in their own careers. So a heavy population of our submissions that we get uh, for five auditions are flute players coming from all sorts of backgrounds, and um, in addition to, to five submissions. So... Um, just, I, I just wanted to have that, have that said. I also want to tag on that I, I think maybe there's a reluctance for potentially by players to put in packets because maybe they, they 
think they can't compete with somebody who's been, um, you know, gearing up their entire college career to take auditions, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, I think that that's also um, misperception. What is most important is that this is a military job and that we are always, you know, attention to detail. So, you know, if you're combing down and you're making sure that your cover letter is, is really good, you know, take it to somebody, get other people to read it, make sure that it, you know, kind of outlines everything that you have to offer, um, you know, that your resume looks really good, you know, that you're, you're going down this checklist of making sure that all of these requirements that we're asking you to have, you have checked all of them off and you've double checked that, <laughs> you know, because you are competitive as a Pfeiffer, um, you know, you have a strong sound and you already understand the um, the culture and the, the music, you know, you're, you're kind of predisposed to that already. Um, so a lot of times packets get weeded out just because there's something missing or, um, you know, it, it just wasn't on a professional level. So it's really important that people are getting um, their things checked and double checked by, you know, teachers or friends, you know, all kinds of things like that. Well, and I'll, I'll again, jump in and, and say, um, we are at our best when we have uh, fife players, piccolo players, flute players. That, that makes, if, if we only have fife players, we're not at our best. And if we only have piccolo players, we're not at our best because everyone brings a different perspective. Um, we are a fife and drum corps. Um, and so we need that perspective. And we, um, and, and we look, we look for those different perspectives. We've made several, um, we've said several times uh, there, we were looking for the best player, but maybe there's something um, that comes up at, in an interview, or maybe you have some prior experience, right? And that also is taken into account. But if we only have one perspective in our organization, we we sort of we sort of pigeonhole ourselves, and um, we're missing out on information. We're missing out on different ways of approaching our job and instrument. So that's important too. And we can we can get into um, ways to be better. Um, at the in-person audition, we can get into ways to be better um, when you're submitting your packet. But the fact of the matter is we are at our best. We have um, multiple different perspectives and many, um, many types of people in our organization. So I'd like to ask a, a, a quick question, which we just would like a, um, you know, a number, a, a percentage answer is, is fine. But like what, um, for the typical auditions, like what would be the the common breakdown of fifers um, versus flute players versus military, roughly? Well, to to the point that was just made, we I, I might say in the last two auditions I've been a part of, we have again it's kind of hard because some 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 flute or piccolo players will play on fife, but maybe fifteen um, percent. 10% of the packets we received were a fife were were a fife player from the fife community. So again, we can't hire fifers if we don't get five packets. That's the that's 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 the problem. So 
Yeah, and and uh, as as a follow up, this is a little bit a little bit uh, deeper of a question. But um, so with flute and fife, how can a player from each community better prepare for the audition um, in a career performing on the fife? And do you see a need for fifers from that from the fife and drum community um, to kind of fill in the gaps um, between the folk music style and professional performance? Um, well, so to answer the last question first, um, I, I like what Sergeant Park said, it's equally important that we have Buddhist and Pipers, in my opinion, as well, um, mostly because of the outreach and the different types of outreach that we do. Um, so in addition to the performing, um, which we have a particular standard for, um, we do outreach at universities as well. So if you have an, uh, you know, a more academic background, you might be able to help serve that type of outreach a little bit better. Um, if we go to a more fife and drum type of thing, like we just went to Harmonicon, or if we go um, do a junior's workshop or some other similar event, then yeah, we're gonna rely on our fifers to kind of, uh, you know, head those outreach programs. But it, it's nice when we kind of have a, a good mix of both because, um, each one has a lot to offer, you know, um, so whether it's going to a university and having particular topics prepared, um, knowing, having that, uh, you know, understanding where the students are coming from in both aspects, where, whether it's a fife and drum community or academic community, um, it's really important to have both perspectives. Um, as far as preparing for either pickle or fife, um, we, we always tell our candidates to probably reach out to somebody in the core, one, to know what you're getting into. You have to understand the job you're auditioning for. You'd be surprised how many people may not understand that job and what exactly um, we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, it's not always performing, you know, like there, there can be a week where you actually do not perform. Um, we have a lot of secondary duties. Uh, we're in the Army, so we have to support any Army requirements on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so understanding the job, reach out to somebody, whether you're a flutist or a fifer, say, hey, what does this job actually entail? What do I need to do to prepare myself? We have a standing portion of the audition. Definitely start uh, standing at home. I've had friends audition. I said, hey, just it sounds weird, but in your living room, you need to do it. Stand at attention, stand at free rest. Uh, don't move. See, you know, try to build yourself up. See how your body reacts to that. Um, we do try to tell our uh, flutists, piccolists to get their hands on a fight. Just, you know, hey, try it out. Do you like it? Uh, is this something that you see yourself playing for 20 plus years? Um, because every person that comes to this audition is an investment for us. I mean, we're looking for somebody who would love to be here for 20 years. You know, it takes a lot for on the organization to train up these people. Um, you know, it's like a six month training process once they get here. So it's a lot on the core. So we are definitely investing in who we're hiring in the position. So um, for Pfeiffer's, you guys already kind of have a leg up on a lot of the music. Um, memorization, I think, is one of your strongest uh, assets for sure. Um, 
So in that case, definitely reach out and say, hey, so you guys can listen to recordings that we have online. Um, say, how how are you, how do you guys play this? You know, um, and uh, you can look for style, things like that. Um, but uh, for fifers, I would say prepare um, and play for your friends. Put yourself in uh, situations where it's uncomfortable. Play for a group of people to get used to that audition. Um, I think that's one of the things that I've seen in the past. Fifers just aren't used to the audition process. They get really nervous. Um, so getting themselves more familiar with uh, performing in front of people or a panel, you know, make a fake panel and um, perform as much as possible. Yeah, and just prepare, prepare to the highest level. That's I, that's something I did um, when I auditioned the second time. I I had a group of folks um, give me an interview, ask me questions. Folks I found intimidating to make it uncomfortable for me. Um, I went through an interview round. Um, that was back in 09, so YouTube wasn't as big. Uh, to kind of echo what Sergeant Miskin just said, YouTube is your friend. You can go on and watch as many videos as you can get your hands on, um, old videos, new videos, to get a really good idea of what our job entails. Um, you also can get an idea of the style we're currently playing based off a of video in 2002 or 2001, um, as well as just some of the music we're playing. Um, I also encourage folks to reach out to alum to alumni um, that they, they they know what the job um, is and and they will give you an honest answer. You can reach out um, you can reach out to Pembers. I we certainly encourage and I I don't think this happens enough. When we're at musters, come up and talk to us. Approach us, please. We want to talk to the community. Um, whether you're um, whether we're at a flute convention, whether we're at um, we're at, whether we're at a muster. Please talk to us, but also talk to alumni. Uh, you can you can get a really great sense of what this job entails by talking to them. They've been through the process, and either you know they made it twenty years or three years. They can still give you uh, an accurate description of what it is we do here. So anything you can do to get more um, familiar um, familiar with this job before you audition will help. We actually have one of our newest Pfeiffers here, so she can speak because she's the freshest one. <laughs> she can speak to what she did to prepare for this last audition. Right. Yeah, I won the October 2021 audition, and I was coming from the flute and piccolo background. I had never played a 10-hole five, never played a proper six-hole five, um, and... Like Sean Riskin was saying, I mean, I looked up recordings of the core to see what the music sounded like. And I looked up the, I, I found out what kind of fives the core plays. We're currently playing Healy 10 hole fives. And I looked up the fingering charts so that when I got the music, even though I didn't have the ability to get my hands on a five before day one of the audition, I was still able to come in with a sense of preparedness and to have an idea of what I was about to try to do. Um, I also have the benefit of, a teacher who had connections in the core. And so I reached out to people and I talked to probably a half dozen different fifers in the core or alumni from the Fife and Drum Corps. And I was asking all sorts of questions. I was making recordings of the pre-screening, uh, the, the packet music, and I was sending it to them and asking for feedback. And um, it was extremely helpful to me to have multiple perspectives from within the core and core alumni to be able to just get a sense of 
everyone's perspective on the job and know more of what I was getting into and to be able to answer all my little questions because I'm very much a planner and I wanted to get rid of as many unknowns as I could. And the audition still surprised me a little. So mm. <laughs> um, what uh, what instrument did you perform in your uh, packet music audition? In my packet, it was entirely piccolo. OK. Mm-hmm. OK, interesting. All right. So I have a, I have a question kind of to follow up on all of this stuff. And memorization came up a little bit earlier, which is a which is a big thing. So two parts to this question. During the packet audition, are people allowed to be referring to music? Number one. And number two, if you do have someone who, let's say, comes from the, you know, the concert background, uh, who has always had a music stand in front of them, <clears throat> if they can't make that transition, and I'm, I imagine that probably happens sometimes, what do you do? It just happened. Um, like, let's say they, they, you, you passed them through. They're, okay, you're good, you're in. But now they're working with the music and they can't get off it. What happens? Well, I think that's it's important because we do have a memorization aspect of our audition. So um, once someone gets invited to come to the live audition, um, they're given another set of music. One is a prepared uh, set. Another is a memorized set. So um, in the audition, then that's when we can see how good their memorization is. Yeah. And just to clarify, we're not asking for memorized music on the pre-screening um, on the video. Yeah. It's it, it's all everybody can read from the music because okay. we're looking for um, style, certain style things. Um, and so we're, we're, you know, we want you to look at the music and, and for the Fife community, some of the music is going to be maybe exactly the same that you remember playing and some of it's going to be a little different so you're you're going to want that music to reference but the memorization portion of our audition is probably one of the most serious serious rounds because we do not ever look at music during any of our missions um it's imperative that they can showcase they have that ability if they're not able to showcase that they will not make it through to the next round right so um Quick question for Faith, um, as a follow-up to what to what you were saying. Um, being recently through this process, um, if you could talk to your former self and say, self, <laughs> here's what you need to know. Here's here's what knowing what you know now, what 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 do you think you um as a player should focus on mm-hmm. in preparation for this audition? Well, in preparation for the audition, I think I could have probably done more with trying to mimic the style of recordings. I actually went back recently and listened to my packet and went, oh, that's not how I play this tune now. (laughs) Um, But I, I think I would say focus on mimicking the style that I can find in recent videos um, and making sure everything is super clean and uh, still has musical expression um, because that still matters. We are musicians. Um, and just, again, that attention to detail with everything, not just with the music, but 
with how I'm presenting myself, with the way that I frame my video shots and um, trying to make that consistent and professional um, between the different pieces that I submit. Um, and also just being me, I would tell myself to not overthink it because sometimes you can uh, kind of wind yourself up into a, a tightly, you know, a tight spring and then you're not going to be able to present your best self if you are um, overanalyzing it as well. I know there's probably a handful of us who tend towards that side of things and, you know, one mistake, I can't speak for the panel, but I would say, you know, recovery from mistakes as you're preparing for a live audition is also a really big thing. If you have a memory flub and you get yourself right back on track and you finish the piece, the panel might ask you to play it again. Um, and just being flexible, you know, you might play something the way you've prepared it. And then the panel asks you to play it with a slightly different style. That's something that had happened to me and I did my best to adapt and um, to be able to respond to the feedback in the moment. Um, the panel is very understanding that this isn't a comfortable situation, but they do want to be able to, um, you know, see how you can adapt. So I think I would have told myself, hey, make sure that you are practicing different styles and can be flexible. One thing I just wanted to point out that is really important, I appreciate Faith pointing out is, she said recent recordings. Um, that is key, I would say within the past five years. If you're looking at something from 2000, it, our style has evolved and it's you know very fluid. So you know, <laughs> being really careful about what exactly you're listening to. Um, just to follow on that as well, <clears throat> um, for the panel, it's, you know, for those who have taken maybe orchestral auditions, uh, that we're not, we're not listening for that first mistake and, oh, you're out. Well, you made a mistake, so you're cut. Um, we are definitely taking the whole person, the whole aspect into into consideration when somebody's performing. So if somebody makes a mistake in the moment, that is not an immediate exclusion from you know, moving on to the next round or even being hired for that matter. Um, so we're not looking for that perfect player. We would like to hear a solid performance, but um, if somebody is demonstrating, you know, solid technique, a great sound, you know, then we're looking at the entire package. Um, the audition is over two days, so it covers a lot. Um, we haven't even talked about the marching aspect of it at this point. We're only talking about the performing, but we really have to take in just as equally um, the marching aspect of it. So, and, and that's happened in the past. We've had somebody completely nail it in the performance, but when it came down to marching, uh, they couldn't march with a beat or something. Um, and so they ended up not moving on. Uh, so just to put it out there, you know, mistakes happen. Um, we understand that. We also understand uh, interpretation of music comes in different ways. So uh, we're not looking for a very set specific interpretation of something. Um, we want people to follow what's on the page. But aside from that, we love to hear different uh musicality come out from that individual performer and you and you you asked you asked faith to um <clears throat> give uh as her as her former self what she would have changed i mean we we've we've hinted at it we've talked about it a couple times we also provide feedback so if you do submit a packet 
and you are either you're not accepted um, in the packet round or you make it to the live round and, and you're not accepted there. We also encourage folks to reach out to get feedback on that performance. And so um, whether whether you're someone that made it, it can go back and, and look at how they would have prepared differently or you someone or you're someone that has not successfully um, been able uh, to audition yet. Uh, feedback is always available to folks uh, that are trying to get a job with us. And so what, what I'm hearing is that it has a lot to do with uh, um, the potential energy, right? The, uh, the the potential of a person, the adaptability of a person. Um, and that kind of leads into to one of the last questions here, which is, uh, like, can you talk a little bit about, um, so somebody wins the audition, there is a bit of continuing education with once you arrive um, through training and also um, you know, once you're, once you've even been in for a long time, you guys have rehearsals where you talk about, um, style and things like that. Um, so what, uh, let's see, um, let me actually ask my, my entire questions just so I, I get it correctly. Um, can you talk a bit about the continued education with, within the old guard on Fife as an instrument with its own sound and tradition? Um, how is that tradition taught to new and existing members? Well, um, you wanna? I mean, I can say a little bit. Okay. Um, coming in, so obviously we all go to basic combat training. So when I got here after that, um, I was given a fife. And at that point it was kind of nice. I'd had a break, hadn't played flute the whole time I was at basic training. So um, I came in and we had um, fife technique classes to, I had a training buddy, Soren Kester, and we, had these technique classes with one of the members of the Corps, and we just got really comfortable, spent a lot of time on the fundamentals of the Fife, but also learning about the Fife's history um, and about the history of martial music as well, so that we could have a more holistic view of the, you know, the history of Fife and Drum and what we do here in the Old Guard. So um, I think for me, it was a more isolated education at first. And then as I progressed through training and now finished training, being with the Fife group, sometimes in group time, we might go over something more in depth uh, in more detail than we would in a whole full course setting because we really wanna focus on the Fife. Um, or um, the core gets together at least once a year, sometimes more than that, um, to really just go over fundamentals, annual core training or core marching training, um, which applies not only to um, not only to Martin, I would say a little bit to music as well, just to make sure that we're all really on the same page about it all. But for more of the continuing education, what do you want to jump in? Well, we, we, we've always had a new soldier training program with different components. Um, and, and she, she, she talked about it. I mean, one of the coolest, coolest aspects of it is some things, um, whether it's, it's history of, of field music or of the old guard, but, we have uh, a set of classes, listening labs, where we we listen to different um, fife and drum cores, uh, a couple podcasts, um, just to get you know, and and that's that's good for flute and fife players. So some fife players, you know, grow up in a certain tradition and they don't know about um, other fife and drum cores. Uh, Sergeant Haig here, uh, he made a really cool video on special bands around the world. So it's, you know, our, the Fife and Drum Corps, the Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps is unique in, in America, in the American military. But if you look at it from around the world, uh, you start seeing special bands from, you know, almost every country on our planet. And that 
that gives you a change of perspective as well. We we have different phases of training. So a lot, a lot of folks in the fife and drum community or um, coming from piccolo or flute have done marching band or fife and drum corps. And we have a specific style. That style continues on. You have to learn our specific style. And then uh, once you finish training, you know, you can kind of get into uh, many, many different uh, continuing education opportunities we have, depending on your secondary duty, you know, you might be in public affairs, so you might get some training on um, a camera, or you, know, you may be a master fitness trainer and, and get get training. Uh, you might go to school to, to learn um, how to be better at teaching folks about fitness. So there are, there are not only instrument-specific continuing education opportunities, but also uh, really everything that we do here has an opportunity for you to continuously learn. Well, something that we haven't really talked about much is the marching aspect. Um, you know, we kind of hinted at, you know, we're looking for adaptability, versatility, um, receptive to feedback, um, you know, just kind of humbling yourself, um, you know, and, and we get kind of hints of that during the audition process, you know, so that's also something that we're kind of tracking. Um, each individual gets an opportunity to work with the drum major one-on-one. -on -one. And that drum major is kind of keeping track of how receptive was this person to, you know, the very critical details that we're giving them um, and then their ability to execute it during that portion. And then keeping in mind that once you win this position and you come here, it only gets more meticulous and more hyper-focused um, as you're going through the training process, starting from our most simple jobs, our single focus jobs, which would be colors missions. It's two fibers and a snare drum all the way up to our biggest mission. So everything kind of stacks up as you, as you go through the training process, it's about five to six months. So you're learning our maybe easiest job to one of our most complex missions. And as you're learning it, you're actually doing that job um, while you're going through the training process. So as soon as you're ceremonial qualified, you're actually on the marks doing ceremonies through the rest of your training. And it just kind of keeps building and adding on to, um, you know, what makes you fully qualified, fully trained when you're at the end of the process, um, you know, but we're, we are looking for that, you know, we keep saying that full package because we want to make sure that somebody is easy to work with. They respond well to feedback, you know, we're going to be um, honing in on particular things and it can get exhausting, um, you know, so is, is this person mentally, physically ready for that stress, because it can be a very strenuous process. Um, and we're, you know, we just want to make sure that people are ready for that, you know, coming back to that military focus. Um, that's what makes our, uh, that's what makes us look so good when we're tested on the White House lawn, that we're, we're showcasing that precision. Um, the steps are all perfect. The, the lines are all neat. The music sounds amazing. It's because that person has been tested and, um, you know, kind of proven their ability to execute on that level. So what advice would each of you give for somebody wanting to audition for the old guard, specifically on Fife? I would say it's like any other, not just like, but it has similarities 
to any other interview process that you would go through. So you research the company, you research what they do, you try to get uh, on the inside a little bit to have some knowledge. Because the other thing that that does is that shows interest and a willingness to take the time to figure out what we do. You can also solicit feedback from these guys and now you're building your network, you're building those relationships. So if you do make it to the live round, you've still got to win the audition legitimately but there's all, there's that human component that's already there. So I'm not in the fight group, but I've watched these guys do it. And I know that there are repeat offenders who come back and audition again and again, and they have built relationships with people in the core. So when they do hopefully finally win the audition, they already have that insider's perspective. So I would say research would be the biggest piece of advice I would give, but I'll defer to the fighters for I would say just never give up on this process. If you really want this job, come back and do it again. And make sure you come in fresh. You know, start with, with fresh materials. Don't just recycle things from a previous audition. But always make sure that, you know, you understand that there's always going to be another slot. People are always going to be leaving the organization for any reason. And that you just need to keep that that going. Don't get knocked down. And if you do get knocked down, get back up and, and send another packet. And uh, we'll take a look at it like it's your first time for sure. All right. Well, cool. Um, listen, as as we wrap up, I just have one one comment and maybe a, a quick question that is designed to <clears throat> maybe further help people who are thinking about, uh, you know, doing an audition and trying to win a live a live audition. Um, you've talked a lot about best practices for your packet audition, right? Um, you know, show your full body, be in a room that has decent acoustics that doesn't suck up your sound you know, present yourself well, don't have a big trash can over in the corner. Uh, and I'm not sure on this, but I think I've seen it either on your Facebook page in the audition when you've posted an audition or maybe on your website. Is there a source for people to go to for like, okay, here's a list of best practices if you're going to do this? Or do you provide that if someone is interested in doing a packet audition? Yes, that all of that uh, language is, is in that vacancy announcement. Once we, uh, you know, have that that open spot, we put out that document, we blast it out everywhere that we can. Um, you know, speaking to what all these guys have been saying, take a look at the very specific language that's in that announcement because it has been very carefully curated, mm -hmm. uh, very carefully phrased, um, and it, it includes all the things that these guys have been talking about. You know, a full body camera angle, all that stuff. Take that stuff, you know, pay attention to detail, uh, the details that are included in that announcement, but it is all there. And if you have questions about it, um, here's a big thing is, is please ask those questions. There is an auditions, it's auditions.togfdc at gmail.com. Um, please, please ask questions if you have them, because uh, no one that is going to be judging the audition is going to be, uh, sorry, let me phrase it like this. Anyone that is going to see those emails uh, with your questions, none of those people are on the panel. Mm -hmm. So uh, you may think it's a dumb question if you're worried about the perception of you asking this question, but someone has asked it before. There are no stupid questions. Please, please reach out. We're happy to help in any way that we can. Cool. Well, this has been really helpful. I've enjoyed it, too. And I learned a lot. I don't know about you guys, but I did. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks, guys, for taking some time to, to chat with us about it today. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll uh, get some more, more knowledge out there about the Fife Audition.
Thank you, Thanks. guys. Thank you.
If you've liked this podcast and would like to support the Bottom of the Glass, go to patreon.com backslash bottom of the glass podcast to donate or click on the Patreon link on our Facebook and Instagram pages. And thank you. Program produced by Michael Blancaflor. Edited by Brendan Mason. Hosted by Brendan Mason, Dave Loyal, and Brian Watkins. Podcast music was created by Michael Blancaflor. Logo was done by Andrew Ruddle.